today on my first concert. Um, but it, for me, for Kevin, it was kind of like meeting uh, the Pope, uh, maybe like meeting Dave Lee for somebody who <laughs> enjoys radio voices. Um, it was a, it almost a surreal experience, I will tell you, and one that I've never forgotten, never will forget because of what he means to, um, in the context of you know modern day times, I guess, specifically with coaching as well in, in basketball. Welcome back, everybody. Dave Lee here with Davide Rosso, our producer on My First Concert. A very special show today brought to you, of course, by our good friends at AquariusHomeServices.com. Here from the AquariusHomeServices.com studios. And by uh, Minnesota friends for many, many years at StarBank.net. In fact, a lot of you already know them, I'm sure, but we'll tell you more about them later. We're great to, grateful that they're sponsoring the show. And really excited today. I've got the, the two guys that I've known for a while and been a fan of Bob Martins. He played basketball back to the Gophers and the Apple Valley native and on to the NBA after that. Brad Madsen, longtime fixture with the Minnesota Vikings. And they're both kind enough to join us today. And Bob, appreciate it. Thanks for coming in. Hey, I'm excited about this. I love music. I don't uh, play any instruments. Uh, I can't sing real well, at least outside of the shower in my vehicle, but um, I enjoy music and happy to be here. And Brad, good to see you again. Thanks for coming back. Oh, my pleasure. I love the podcast, Dave. It's always fun. I always tell all my friends about it. You have just such an eclectic group of friends that uh, do it. Well, it's fun. And, and Davide and I have a little surprise. We may pop on you here in a little while after uh, when a certain uh, subject comes up. But Bob, I want to start with you today. Now, obviously, the title of the show is My First Concert. And the interesting part of this program, Bob, is that whenever you mention My First Concert, even people that aren't huge rock and roll fans or music fans, inevitably at some point they'll start remembering who they saw who they went with it's amazing how this particular event stays in our minds and and most times in a really good way so in your case bob as a big music guy what was the first one you went to well if i can overlook the johnny home band at valley fair a handful of times when i was uh, probably a pre-teenager <laughs> and going to uh have some fun at valley fair and actually catching uh, with my own level of entertainment uh, johnny home um, the first concert I went to was September of 1989, um, sophomore year of college. I went with a good friend, Kevin Lynch, and the, the, we as a tandem went and saw uh, the Debbie Gibson version of her Electric Youth Tour. And again, that was the fall of my, that would, would have been my sophomore year of college. Just kind of a, on a whim, we said, hey, let's go do this. So we bought tickets and um, had a little bit of a Soft place in her heart, I guess, for Debbie Gibson at the time, as a lot of uh, teenagers or young 20s did, and uh, had a good time. But that was my first official concert, and I've been razzed about it ever since by some friends that saw oh. us there, but they were there as well, so um, all good. Well, now you can razz the guy sitting next to you, because oh, I believe, Bradley, I, I can mention <laughs> that you 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 hit on Debbie Gibson. I, I did. I, uh, swing and a miss. Um, but... but uh, <laughs> She, she, she was in town to do, uh, to do uh, Funny Girl, and uh, she, she was making an appearance out at Planet Hollywood out at the Mall of America, and Molly Mulvihill Steinke, you know, knew I was a fan and invited me out there, so I brought some Vikings gear, jersey, and some hats and stuff, and, and had the little meet and greet, and she was really nice, said, uh, you know, hey, I'd love to have you to come to the play, and, uh, you know, I'll get you four tickets. Okay, great. So I was in the locker room. 
uh, talking about, and Jeff Brady, who was the star middle linebacker, total character, goes, you think you can win Debbie Gibson over with a couple <laughs> couple toboggan hats? And he didn't say stop, he's from Kentucky, he said toboggan hats. I said, okay, buddy, you know, I got tickets, you know, you bring your wife down and, and uh, we'll go to the the, uh, the play and then uh, meet her afterwards. So so we go to the play. She was amazing and um, really dynamic. And then Brady actually fell asleep uh, during the play, not, not much of a culture guy. <laughs> But but so then then we go we go backstage afterwards just Jeff and me and I told them this is before cell phones and uh, I had the, an Instamatic camera but I gave it to Jeff and I said look I don't want to say hey can I get a picture with you Debbie I want you to act like it's your camera and you want to get a picture with Debbie and me and I you got one job to do okay you say hey can I get a picture with you guys and then so we go down there and. Um, and Debbie has a boyfriend. There's another another blow. Ooh. Oh, I want you to meet my boyfriend. Oh, great, Mr. Wonderful. He's a soap opera star that I'd, I'd never heard of. But, but at any rate, so Brady goes, hey, let me get a photo with you guys. And, uh, and then so, uh, you know, soapbox guy, you know, hops in there. And uh, so it's like three people in the photo. And Jeff Brady goes, no, you, 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 you get, you get out of there. And then, so I did get the photo with uh, Debbie and me. So, so I can lie. The photo turned out great. Makes, makes it, I can lie and act like, the, you know, we were friends, but, but she was really cool. Did you ever meet her, Dave, at all? Well, no, because I knew that story and I knew everything after that would just be a letdown for her. So I, I didn't want to put <laughs> no, myself no, to that. No, but, but, but Bob, Bob, what's interesting is you mentioned Debbie Gibson and Dolliday. Are you going to work with Debbie Gibson or did oh, you work with Debbie Gibson? I did what's work with her. Oh, my goodness. Well, so in the studio you guys are sitting is uh, uh, partly owned or um, uh, occupied by Sam Paul Peterson. Oh, sure. And St. Paul Peterson uh, uh, used to be Debbie Gibson's um, MD uh, back in the 90s or early 2000s. And so last year when Debbie was here in town, they did all the rehearsals here in Studio A. And so I was the assisting engineer of that rehearsal. So I set them up. I was here uh, with them for a couple of days. And then I actually saw Debbie uh, a couple of weeks ago at, at NAM in LA with Paul. And uh, yeah, so I said hi again. And uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's Very great. Cool. Was she nice yeah. to work with? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, she's fantastic. They, they had the really great rehearsals. And I think their first show of that tour was here in Minneapolis. That's why they did. Wow, the, the the rehearsals here. Did she, did, did she ask about Brad or Bob at all? Or? Uh, you know, I mentioned the Brad, but uh, she knew so many Brads. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah, darn it! That's awesome. Uh, well, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, Bob, let's talk a little bit about your experience out there in LA because uh, when you were playing in the NBA, uh, and this is just I'm straying from music for one quick second, but you had a chance to sit down with John Wooden. So this one happened after I had a, a couple of cups of coffee in the NBA. It wasn't anything long, but uh, going back to um, the John Wooden thing, uh, I will give a little backstory. Bill Walton, who played at UCLA, uh, played for the legendary coach John Wooden uh, at UCLA. Uh, 
I had connected with Bill Walton uh, back in 19, I think it was 1999. I sent him an email just through his website. And of course, he, I sent him one probably two months ago. Uh, I sent him one every a couple times a year, once a year, maybe just to kind of check in. And of course, he does his hippie, oh, things are great, life is good, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, but a really interesting guy, Bill Walton is. Um, so uh, oh, Kevin, man. who I already mentioned, Kevin Lynch and I went out to um, LA, knowing that uh, we would probably have a, a run in with Bill Walton because I had emailed him saying, Hey, we're going to be out there. I'm out there with a college buddy. Um, this is six or s- about six, five or six years after I had played out there. And of course, he was the color commentator for the team. So I'd see him in the locker room and, and before games and after games and whatnot. So he didn't know me, but he may have remembered who I was possibly after I made a couple of references. Anyway, so we get out there. And uh, we're driving around for a couple of days and we go to meet Bill Walton. He says, just come on up to the door, knock three times. It'll be unlocked. Come on in. <laughs> he ends up taking us to lunch. And uh, just a character, Bill Walton, as you probably know, uh, just from whatever experience you had or know of him, just a character. Uh, but Kevin said that we got to talking at lunch about uh, John Wooden. And he says, oh, I talk to John Wooden every day. He's such a great man, great coach as well. And uh, he said, um, I think Kevin may have asked, uh, is he doing okay? It would be cool to connect with him. And so he says, here's the deal. Here's his phone number. Here's Coach Woodson's number. You want to call him, start leaving a message. He's not going to answer his phone. <laughs> so, of course, we follow Bill's instructions um, after lunch, <laughs> and we call and say, hey, a couple of guys, college basketball, NBA a little bit, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we're in town for a short amount of time. We would, we're in L.A. right now. Um, it would be an amazing uh, experience, at least for us, hopefully for him, <laughs> to have the opportunity to have a conversation. And of course, we're just a couple of you know nut jobs from the Midwest. Well, Bill Walter, <laughs> I'm sorry, John Wooden picks up the phone and says hello. And of course, he's you know 84, 85 years old, something like that, like that at the time. Um, we end up connecting with him. He says, "Yeah, come over one o'clock tomorrow, one thirty the next day." Uh, we had Kevin and I had the opportunity, and obviously we took it for three and a half hours to wow. sit in the condo that was John Wooden had lived in, I believe, since 1973, and it probably hadn't been redecorated since 1973. <laughs> Green shade carpet, all kinds of uh, cool stuff. We have a great picture with them uh, as well, with John in the middle, and then Kevin and I on either side uh, flanking uh, John Wooden. But just hearing his stories, we didn't talk much about music. We talked about poetry, and, and which he was a big fan of poetry and had uh, uh, just an, an amazing mind for life beyond basketball. And certainly within the, t- within the context of basketball, he was a master. But certainly he's got a lot of life principles that uh, apply to anyone, regardless of sport or non-sport. Um, but it, for me, for Kevin, it was kind of like meeting uh, the Pope, uh, maybe like meeting Dave Lee for somebody who <laughs> enjoys radio voices. Um, it was a, almost a surreal experience, I will tell you, and one that I've never forgotten, never will forget because of what he means to, um, in the context of you know modern day times, I guess, specifically with coaching as well in, in basketball. It's interesting that Bobby mentioned poetry because uh, I know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was into poetry, and I wonder if uh, he got that partially from John Wooden's love of poetry. He very well may have. I don't remember the specifics. We didn't. Um, I, he may have mentioned something, but other Swen Nader, and then Kevin's actually got at, his, at where he lives. Oh yeah, Kevin's got um, something you know tagged onto the wall, uh, a poem that Swen Nader, of course, who played at UCLA and in the NBA, uh, wrote. Um, 
maybe about John Wooden. I forget exactly what it was, but yeah, he's he had a big fondness for poetry and uh, and obviously just life in general. But yeah, a, a great experience and just fun to see his little condo where he lived for at that point, you know, 25, 26, 27 years. I think it was 2000 when we were out there. So, yeah, one thing to meet him and then sit in his condo that long. Wow, what an experience. You know, and I mentioned Bill Walton for a reason because, as you know, Bob, you're a big music guy, and Bill Walton was a big music guy. He was really a, a deadhead, wasn't he, for the Grateful Dead? I mean, he was really into them, as I recall. Yeah, I think, I think he probably still is. Now, he was a friend of Jerry Garcia. And uh, I don't know how close they were. Of course, Jerry's been dead for mm -hmm. you know twenty some years. But um, yeah, uh, Bill uh, Bill uh, shared some stories um, among them about the Grateful Dead. And of course, if you look at his website, I haven't looked at it for a while, but he is a well-known, probably one of the better-known, if not the best-known, kind of deadhead for better uh, or for worse. But uh, yeah, Bill Bill's an interesting character for sure. <laughs> We're talking with Bob Martin and Brad Madsen here on My First Concert. Dave, here you can uh, link up to Spotify, to Apple, to TalkNorth.com, wherever you get your podcasts, and so make sure you subscribe and get these each week. It's always fun for us. Today's another great example of why these are fun to listen to. And I want to say thank you to the folks over at Star Bank for making it possible. So if you're expanding business this time of year or doing little repairs at your house or maybe looking for a new house or whatever it is, uh, that turnaround time on a loan with Star Bank, a Minnesota company, really second to none. There's not a lot of red tape. There's no monkey business. Once you apply for a loan and submit your documentation, away you go. So if it is that home equity line of credit, if it's a home mortgage, if it's a business loan, ag operating, which is kind of how they started many years ago here in the state, or equipment loan, whatever, uh, maybe an RV if you're thinking about that. They handle everything, and of course, they are a Minnesota company started by the same family many years ago. Now they have a, a, a number of locations throughout Minnesota, including the Metro. So I just encourage you to get your loan needs met at Star Bank. You're going to like them. They're going to remember you. You're going to remember them. If it's digital technology you want to deal with, like we all do, obviously, they have all of that. But I got to tell you, they really are good at customer service. So if you can make it in person or just give them a phone call, they'll answer that phone. Now, loans are subject to a loan application and approval. Starbank.net. Really good uh, people. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Hey, uh, Bob and Brad Madsen are with us. Bob, if we talk about the most memorable concert for you, is there one that stands out above the others? Yes. Um, I, I, I was thinking of a few. Um, certainly one I will share, which you may be familiar with, uh, being friends with Kevin, is uh, June of 1998, June 12th of 98 specifically, uh, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page were in town, of course, the two of the uh, four of Led Zeppelin. And they were doing a tour, and Kevin had the great idea of like, hey, let's go to this concert in a couple months. So um, we bought tickets, and my sister had a little sign-making shop, making T-shirts and coffee mugs you know, with logos and whatnot in there. So he said, hey, why don't you see if your sister would put together um, two T-shirts? Uh, and we um, had Richard Cole fan club on the front of the shirt. And, of course, <laughs> I, if you know musical Led Zeppelin, Richard Cole was yeah. their, kind of like their, their tour manager. And uh, had kind of a shady, a shady background, <laughs> to say the least, um, with what he provided for the guys or kind of lined things up. I won't get into specifics there. Uh, Kevin knows more about it than I do. But Richard Cole fan club and then the swan song thing. And uh, we had him put on, I'm seven feet tall, Kevin's six, five. And we, you know, my sister said, well, what size do you want? And I think we both said like a boy's medium. So the, we wore, <laughs> these things were like skin tight. 
So we're looking like, you know, we're all, you know, big old uh, um, 30, early, 30 year old guys. Uh, anyway, so we get to the, we get to the concert where we were walking around looking at people, just kind of taking it in, and people are saying, "Oh man, cool shirts! Where did you get those things?" And we're like, "Oh yeah, down over there by you know section one twelve, they're fifty bucks or something." Of course, we had them made, and there were only two that on the planet. Um, so as I, as I fast forward with that as the context, we have these white shirts, back uh, black bold print, which Richard Cole Fan Club on the front. Um, halfway or throw halfway or so through the concert. Um, they are between songs and all the lights in the stadium kind of go on. And of course people are, you know, holding up their phones or lighters and kind of doing that stuff, but the lights go on and Robert Plant and we're, it's relevant, I guess. We're probably 25 feet from the stage, give or take, not very far. Uh, certainly in pretty good seats off to the side. Jimmy Page is in the back kind of tightening his guitar strings or doing whatever a guitarist might do mid-concert. Uh, Robert Plant, and he kind of takes his hand, his right hand over his eyebrows to kind of shade him, his eyes from the light, and he kind of pans <laughs> from left over to the right. And, of course, we happen to be seated over to the right. And, of course, we weren't seated at this time. We were standing up a couple of relatively tall guys among a relatively short crowd. <laughs> And as he gets over my ass, we're not too far away. We're jumping around, you know, kind of trying to get his attention. And he sees us. We get a thumbs up and a nod. And for, there was no mistaking that he was looking at us. He saw the shirts. He read the Richard Cole fan club and thinks, who are these clowns? Anyway, so uh, he goes over to Jimmy Page, who happens to be fiddling with his guitar strings, and uh, kind of whispers something to him. Of course, it's loud in the arena and whatnot, like play the next song and, and whatnot. Uh, and they both like look at us and kind of smile and nod. And Kevin and I are thinking, hey, this is going to be great. You know, maybe they'll have uh, Richard Cole or some current tour manager come over and take us backstage and we'll meet the band and, and do whatever you do when you meet the band, I suppose. Um, that didn't happen. We, uh, but that was the highlight of, <laughs> highlight of uh, the night, highlight of probably um, my musical um, experiences of listening and experiencing music, uh, live music for sure. But a great thing, and I still carry the ticket stub for that concert in my wallet. I've had it in there since that night, and it's been there. I've changed wallets a handful of times, but um, I, I keep moving it from one wallet to the next. Wow. Well, and it's just, I mean, we all wanted to see Led Zeppelin. Many didn't get to see them, but then to see those two guys and then have them, I mean, just to be there for the first, no matter where you sat, but to have them <laughs> notice you and just recognize you, give you a thumbs up. That's pretty cool. Maybe yeah. not. Uh, John Wooden's cool, but this is pretty cool too. Yeah, no, they. I had kind of um, helped facilitate getting Led Zeppelin into Kevin's uh, periphery back in college. So I, my sister, got me into them back in like middle school, early high school, and of course they were relevant for you know fifteen, twenty years before that. Um, so I started listening to them, and um, you know she had the C the albums and some CDs and whatnot, and I started listening to them uh, as well, and at some point got Kevin into them. Um, I'm not taking credit for that or the blame for that matter, but, uh, yeah, he certainly <laughs> yeah, blame, yeah. has, yeah, has, <laughs> has taken on the, taken a liking, um, to their music. And this is, this is 30, 30 plus years ago. So it's like, yeah, it just seems like a couple lifetimes ago at this point in, in life, but yeah, certainly one of my all time favorite bands as well with their music. You know, you mentioned, variety. you mentioned, you mentioned, you mentioned, excuse me, you mentioned Johnny home band at the start out at, uh, uh, Valley Fair. And I think, uh, all of us saw Johnny somewhere or another, and yeah. it made me think of uh, his his um, guitar player, Vision Impaired, but Billy Shearer, who listens to okay. this podcast, was Johnny's guitar player. Okay. And then uh, Billy plays with the Fabulous Armadillos, and oh, he's talented, wow. but he did, he 
a whole lot of love. And you made me think of this, Bob, but he, he did a whole lot of love one time over at the Ames Center. And I turned to my wife and said, I know this is sacrilege, but I said, that's as good as Robert Plant did a whole lot of love. And he's just amazing. Someday we'll, I'm going to get a hold of you guys. We're going to have to go see Billy and, and whoever he's performing with and have him do that, at least a Led Zeppelin song. It's, I, that's a hard band to cover, but uh, he was impressive. But of course, you saw him at Valley Fair a long time ago. So uh, shout <laughs> out to Billy, who I know is <laughs> listening out there. Okay, uh, 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 other concerts along the way, Bob, uh, that, that stand out. I know Brian Adams is one of those. Yeah, Brian Adams, real briefly on that. they had a, we, we bought tickets. We were you know, 100 and some feet from the stage, at, essentially at one end of the Tiger Center and the stage at the other side. Of course, halfway through the stage, halfway through the concert, you know, they, they said, hey, we'll be right back. And, you know, you're waiting for a little bit and a little bit maybe being eight, 10 minutes. Well, uh, there was a small stage, what turned out to be a stage, maybe 10 feet or less in front of us. And they were piddling with some something. They take off this tarp and all of a sudden it's, it turns out to be a stage. Brian Adams and the guys <laughs> on the stage uh, end up playing four or five songs. Like, and of course the people in front of us kind of crush forward and because we were being pushed from the back. So we're, we go from 10 feet away to about three inches away from the, from the thing. And we're like, you know, fangirling these, uh, Brian Adams and whatnot. But that was, uh, that was pretty memorable, um, for sure as well. And those are, you know, those are bigger experiences. I have a couple, um, I went and saw Bruce Springsteen a couple of times with a former roommate who was in the music industry. And we had passes where we were down on the floor um, in front of the front row, but um, below the stage. Uh, just an incredible thing. Clarence Clemens was there, but just seeing Bruce Springsteen was kind of a, a, a cool experience um, because of his relevance with music. And, you know, maybe some people don't care for him a whole lot. Certainly a lot of people love his music and whatnot. So Bruce Springsteen is another memorable one and just seeing him up close literally pretty up close where you're you know 10 15 feet away depending on where you're standing uh and of course happened to be standing just off to the side of dan with a dan wilson from semisonic uh he happened to be oh, yeah. there, uh, right there and i knew who he was i uh, recognized that, him that was my best friend like in third and fourth grade at fern Hill. Oh, really? <laughs> dan wilson yeah. yes yeah. yes and so closing I, time and, and yeah uh, he just won another grammy for songwriting yeah. okay yeah yeah made, i wasn't aware just of that super but. smart guy great guy yeah but no that was that was um that was another mini highlight and i will say this is not within the context but of of seeing a musical band at least performing, but as a kid, I used to I used to buy Kiss cards. Uh, of course, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Frehley, those guys. Oh yeah. And I, you know, you have a couple of cards. You got some duplicates, and you put them in your bike with a clothespin. And of course, it sounds like it's, your bike is a motorcycle. Yeah. At least when you're seven yeah. years old. Um, so I've had yeah. the chance twice to meet. Uh, I think Avida, you mentioned meeting Debbie Gibson for at least a second time. Uh, meeting uh, at Sam Goody at the Mall of America shortly after it opened. Kiss was at Sam Goody. And I went through with a buddy, and of course we, you know, stocked the, stocked the, not the whole band was there, but Gene Simmons was there, and we ended, we ended up running him to, into him at the airport, um, looking for him. That was our intent of going over there. So we parked the car with my a, a different buddy, uh, and then when the movie Rockstar came out, I happened to be out in L.A. I think I may have been with Kevin, uh, and a roommate that I lived with when I was out there, and Gene Simmons was on the red carpet. And I ended up saying, hey, you know, just talking to him. And I said, oh, I met you, you know, six years ago. And he's like, oh, he's like, how you doing? And what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a student. And he says, oh, what are you studying? And I said, well, I'm a student of life. And he's like, oh, well, good for you. Um, and anyway, so he didn't stick his tongue out, didn't do anything, didn't violate me in any way. But uh, Gene Simmons is obviously uh, iconic in, in my lifetime as far as rock and roll singers go. 
and that uh, was memorable. But no autographs, no pictures, anything like that. It was before selfies and cell phones uh, were relevant, at least in my possession. He's pretty big, and I mean, oh, pretty well, big. Yeah, he had eight-inch heels on. Or oh, oh, maybe that. So, yeah. <laughs> but not quite as tall as you might think. Uh, yeah, the, uh, um, the the rock star movie made me think of that too because I think unofficially I don't think it was endorsed, but wasn't it kind of the story of Judas Priest? That I don't know. That yeah, I kind of I kind of was I, I, it. I, I, was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I but it, but it was never it wasn't it never mentioned that. But I, I, I no, but the, you can put it two it was, and two, two together. Well, you know, uh, single leaves, singer is gay metal band um and, and, and it was right after alone. yeah it was right after uh, um they quit you know so they they yeah, uh, and, they, and they got a cover band singer to come in and sing didn't they exactly for yep. uh, rob helford at one time I, I, so yeah, i'm not sure there's there's another fun story about that movie just just quick sure. uh, miles kennedy who sings with slash in in slash's band he was the second guy that came on, on you know, in lieu of uh, Mark Wahlberg. Okay. The guy who was singing again like uh, like Mark Wahlberg's uh, character. Uh, that was Miles Kennedy. Okay. So uh, a lot of people oh. don't, don't know that. So that was a fun fact. Interesting. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I did not know that. And Brad, through the years, you must have met a few bands just because of uh, your affiliation with the Vikings and stuff. Did you ever run into any of that stuff? I ran into quite a few. I, w- I was thinking of one was, uh, was Bob's talking about getting up close with the Springsteen and stuff. It was the Starkey Hearing Foundation, and John Mellencamp played in it. And um, uh, Bill Austin had set up um, Mellencamp's dad with hearing aids. So Mellencamp came in and played... Uh, played the, the 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 fundraiser and we got all it's a bunch of you know 60 70, you know 50 60 business people not your typical crowd form but of course me being super fan you know we got up towards the front and he's he's playing sounds great and i just remember i'm looking at his hands when he's playing guitar and and he had so much dirt under his fingernails. It's just like, it's just like that's what I remember the most. And then people were reaching up to get their hands slapped. I thought, oh, what the heck? So I got, uh, Lord knows how many germs I got off of that. But that was, uh, uh, that was a good one. Yeah. Well, that's small town guys, right? They're digging yeah. in the dirt. And yeah. yeah. That's what, that's what, that's what small town guys do. <laughs> hey, uh, we're talking with Bob Martin and Brad Manson. Uh, nice to have you along here on my first concert. Uh, nice to have the folks at Aquarius Home Services. And, you know, we're, uh, gosh, it's, I don't know if we've gone through winter much this year, but it's getting a little bit chillier out there again. So brace yourself for some good news that'll warm your heart. It is really a perfect time to bid farewell to that old tired furnace and AC. It's been working hard for you for a long time. You can dive into that cozy embrace of a brand new high efficiency whole home heating and cooling system from Aquarius. That's what I did. Now picture this, you can have it installed now, and guess what, you won't have to pay a penny until next year. So that's a big deal. You're right, not a single payment until 2025. So head over to AquariusHomeServices.com. Schedule your free comfort estimate. Financing offers are subject to credit approval. Trust Aquarius to be your uh, cozy home companion. 
ensuring you stay warm and delighted all through 2024 as well. But they really do believe in earning the right to be recommended. And they, they do. And I've worked with them, as I've mentioned many times before, well over two decades since Jeff started the company. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. Okay, so uh, we're talking with Bob and Brad here today on my first concert. And uh, Bob, you've seen a lot of acts. You're, you're uh, like, like Kevin, you were mentioning Kevin, you guys went together to a lot of shows, but you went to a ton. So among some of the others that kind of stand out for you, what are those? Back in 09, um, I w- went out and bought tickets. A couple of things I'll mention. Went out and bought tickets for uh, Michael Johnson, who mm. I believe is from Minnesota. He's yeah, passed away, oh, yeah. but he's saying bluer than blue mm. and... Uh, this life won't last forever. And I always had like a little uh, soft spot for a lot of 70s kind of easy listening music. So that was at the Apple Valley Zoo, the Minnesota Zoo in Apple Valley, the amphitheater outside. So that was a really cool, um, fun experience just to be out there. Intimate environment um, would be one. A couple other ones I called into a radio show. It was probably like WLTE on some little call-in <laughs> thing. I'm probably at home by myself back in the day 15 years ago. And uh, there was a gal named Janice Ian who wrote and <laughs> oh, yeah. performed some songs. And, of course, the only one that I really knew was uh, At 17. Uh, maybe a lot of people might know her. They might say, what is this At 17? Um, so if you Google it, it may ring a bell. But it's from probably yeah. the mid-'70s. And I called in. I won two tickets. And so I went to some little theater in, over in St. Paul. And uh, just went and experienced her and a guy sitting on stage telling stories, spinning yarns about things in yesteryear and how songs uh, came into their, you know, came to their mind and how they put them, you know, put put it on paper and all that uh, and ultimately produced in a, a hit or a series of hits, one of only which only one of which I actually knew. Um, but it was kind of a it took me back when in a ticket and hearing the song and perform live by the. You know, person who performed it on the radio when I heard it and maybe have written it. I don't recall specifically there. But yeah, Janice Ian uh, at 17. Uh, and then one other experience, uh, the, I mentioned a roommate that had, um, his former brother-in-law, uh, that had um, been in the music business for a long time. He wasn't a performer. Like he played the guitar or keyboard a little bit, but he did not act in a band. He just you know worked for Sony or BMG or something like that. But he would get tickets to shows. And he said, hey, would you like to go see um, Five for Fighting? It's at the new mm. Guthrie. This is probably a dozen years ago, maybe 13, 14 years ago. And I said, yeah, I know, you know, 100 Years and Superman and a couple other songs. Of course, they were, they're still relevant, but uh, and I still listen to some of their music. Um, so we went and saw uh, John Andrasic or Andrasic. I forget what it is. And I believe Five for Fighting, if I remember correctly, is basically him. And then he just gets... Four, effectively, we got four other people. They weren't a band. It was him and four other people that played instruments. Um, but it wasn't always the same four people on one tour to the next, like, you know, Page and Plant and um, uh, Bonham and uh, John Paul Jones would be for Led Zeppelin. Um, but the gal that opened for him, Chantel Kreviatsik, was her name. Never heard of her before. She had a couple of songs. I said, oh, this is kind of good. But I really like the intimate environment. Maybe it's a 1,000 people or so. I'm not sure what the new Guthrie holds in downtown Minneapolis. Um, but we had decent seats. Of course, there's probably not really a bad seat in there because they're all pretty close to the stage. And they're all kind of – it's in a like a semi-circle or an arc. And then the performer on stage uh, is essentially, the, in by uh, obvious reasons, the, the focal point of all the seats. They both – 
independently, Chantel Kreviacic before, warmed up for John Andrasik. Um, but they would tell stories. And I really, especially in an intimate environment like that, it was really fun to hear um, some of the backstory on how a song came to be, um, some of the things or different thoughts, their experiences that may not tie directly into why a song was written, but about their, uh, from what I can recall growing up. So just kind of, you know, get, feel like you get to know these people. And of course, as as a uh, human condition is, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I want to hear more of their songs. So for the next, you know, yeah. couple of weeks or certainly the next few days, it's like you want to pursue those uh, songs because they're relevant. And it seems like you have a little bit of a connection with the, the group or the performer. Um, I don't know if that's just me or if that's kind of everyone, like I say, the human condition. But mm-hmm. uh, those are a few experiences that, you know, they weren't big venues. They weren't huge names specifically like a Led Zeppelin or the Beatles or um, Metallica or something like that. Um, but equally, uh, they were fun experiences and they were music that I knew. And certainly I enjoy music that is original that I don't know. Um, I just, you know, don't get out as much these days as I <laughs> watched it, I guess. <laughs> well, it, but I think that, yeah, I think you've hit a chord with a lot of people. Brad, let me ask you about, we had a conversation with you and Mary Tan, our good friend who was on the show a long time ago. And uh, there, and one of the things of the Super Bowl, of course, is uh, the NFL brings in acts. And mm-hmm. we still have that great story about when Sid Hartman met Prince with our yes. buddy Bob Hagen at the Super Bowl. And we'll save that for another time. But let's talk about uh, Mary and, and the Taylor Swift story. Well, when we did your podcast a couple years ago and uh, you asked if you could have anybody perform a concert for you, who would it be? I picked Rick Spencer, And I'll be asking course. you that, Bob, in a minute. So heads up. <laughs> sure. Uh, and Mary picked uh, Taylor Swift. And Mary, of course, has uh, Whisker Media as her company, and she's a cat lover. And she said, I'd pick Taylor Swift because she has cats, and one of which is a, let's see, a Scottish fold cat named Olivia Benson. Okay, so uh, I interesting. She's got a couple other cats. Well, uh, Olivia's been in some of her commercials and her videos. So I Googled this cat just because I know I was coming in. And uh, and uh, the cat is worth, uh, reportedly, according to Wikipedia, her Wikipedia page, $97 million. And Travis, tra- Travis, Travis Kelsey is only worth $40 million. <laughs> so, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> it sure is. Uh, uh, Bob, let's bring up that Brad just mentioned. If you could have, well, before I ask you that about your three shows that you would set up, You've got some other concerts you want to share some stories about? Nothing that's popping into my head. Um, I saw ZZ Top. That was a quick one where uh, Kevin Lynch and I, uh, after practice one day, he says, hey, ZZ Top's in town. This is back in 1990 or 91. Um, uh, We're going to go to the show tonight. Rob and I are looking at going to the show. Another team of ours, Rob Rowe, I believe it was. It may have been Travis Clampy, a team manager. Anyway, um, so they invited me or asked if I wanted to go, and I said, well, yeah. Um, do you guys have tickets? They said, well, no, let's go down there and see if we can get them. So, of course, we clean up and get down, have, you know, have a, a meal, and we get down to the Target Center. And uh, lo and behold, there's, you know, a little line at the ticket window and says, so like, okay, let's get in line. We didn't want to buy it necessarily from a scalper out front whatnot. And we get up there, up to the window, and, of course, can I help you? And there's three of us. Like, yeah, we're looking for some tickets. What do you have? And they, you know, take out these tickets and it's X amount of dollars. And it's like, is there anything better? 
uh, we didn't want to sit too far away. It's like if you're there, it's like it's you know you can hear the the music on the radio. I want to be part of the experience where be it a little bit closer. Yes. And uh, the the show is about to start. I mean, maybe the warm up act is already on there, and ZZ Top is probably warming up their vocal cords in the back. And uh, the ticket person says, "Well, I do have these tickets," and they kind of go to a little area and their little thing in front of them, and that a promoter um, had set aside, but they haven't we we haven't uh, they haven't accounted for them. So it's after whatever you know seven o'clock. Um, I can sell them to you. I don't remember the price, but they ended up being fifth row tickets for ZZ Top and pretty much in the center. Promoter <laughs> uh, oh, tickets that we'd stumbled into. And so it's like, we'll take them. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was like the fifth row may have been the the, the second row because, you know, people push forward a little bit and we're tall. So it's not like we have some of the burden <laughs> yeah. of looking at the, you know, the bald spots like uh, on the back of my head or something like that. Um, so yeah, that was a pretty cool thing. Um, obviously hearing the relevance of ZZ Top and after, you know, they were just probably past the peak. This is the early 90s at the very latest. Um, still very mm-hmm. relevant. And that was a, a, a pretty memorable experience to have a chance to see them and the, the, the big beards and, and whatnot and be part of that experience. I don't remember the name of the tour. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah. Sharp Dress they Man. Or such an icon- they were such an iconic band. because MTV, I think, had a lot to do with that. But, geez, Bob, I remember you made me think of a concert. I saw them. It was supposed to be outside. Uh, um, outside, and it had rained so much mm-hmm. that they moved it inside to a pavilion at a state fair, and uh, not the Minnesota State Fair, another state. Anyway, uh, we get in there, and it's the humidity is just it's dripping off the ceiling. I mean, it's hot, <laughs> but but it, and the place is packed. But we get in there, band starts, Easy Top goes three songs, and I believe it was Billy Gibson's claps. Billy Gibbons claps to the floor from the heat exhaustion. Oh, wow. I mean, just boom, down. So we think, oh, this is part of the act. And we're all waiting for more. But <laughs> then they rush them off and and they come out and cancel the concert. Sorry, that's, you know. And, of course, first thing we're thinking is, well, hope Billy's okay. Second thing we're thinking, because we're all broke, we have, you know, we spent everything we had to get to this concert. Can, we're going to get a refund. Yeah, sorry, no refunds. <laughs> so, that, was, that was my first, one of my first ZZ Top experiences. Although I saw him recently at, Mystic Lake, and they were, you know, obviously two of them are left, but it was just fantastic. So, yeah, they get the crowd going, don't they? Yeah, and I think of a couple other ones, uh, not necessarily um, great seats or great standing places, but um, Stone Temple Pilots at the Roy Wilkins Auditorium um, back uh, one of their last concerts because Scott Weiland, the singer, had OD'd not too long after that, I believe. Um, So uh, STP was uh, was a, a fun experience. Um, I saw, who was it? Went to a few years ago to see Social Distortion, who I didn't know more than probably one mm-hmm. of their songs. But they had, you know, it was just kind of a, a great environment and knowing a little bit more about the lead singer who I think had a kind of a rough background and kind of cleaned up his act the last decade or so um, is what I recall hearing. Um, but yeah, Social Distortion at the Armory. Um, and then the Kings of Leon, probably 15 years ago at the Armory, was pretty entertaining. They were oh kind of on the on on the upswing of their um, several years of uh, getting close to being fairly dominant uh, on a national level. Hearing some of their tunes and uh, enjoying that experience as well. Again, the seats weren't necessarily um, the best. Um, we were standing, but it was just a, fun to be in that environment with a bunch of people. You know, you're uh, maybe 10 feet away from the mosh pit. It's like, I don't want to be in the middle of that thing. I don't need to be crowd surfing. I don't want to be slammed to the ground. Yeah. Things like that. I don't need to be danced. I'll just kind of stand over here with the person I'm with and 
and avoid, uh, you know, either getting swung at or having a, bot a beer bottle or a solo cups, you know, flying at my face or something like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and once you had a taste of good seats, after that, if you don't get a good seat, it's kind of, it's, it's it's frustrating. Brad, the best show you've ever seen, what is it? Well, you know what? I, I was, I think I'll go for entertainment value that, uh, and maybe not a, a superstar, but at the time, uh, Ricky Martin had had the hit uh, "Live in the Vida Loca," and uh, it was funny because Chris Carter came to me, and uh, this is when uh, oh probably around two thousand ninety nine, and he said, "Can you try and get get me some tickets for Ricky Martin?" Because my daughter, no. yeah, oh Chris Bar Chris the Carter, wide player. receiver, yeah. Hall of Famer, and uh, he um, he had uh, like a eight or ten year old daughter that wanted to go so of course again community relations guy shoehorns himself into you know get yeah we need four tickets not just two so so, so, so we're there and and uh about the third or fourth song in he plays uh living the vida loca i mean just a great showman but then after that's done chris carter says to me well after that one i'm done meaning he didn't know any other songs and neither did i <laughs> so, but showmanship wise the guy was really good. <laughs> yeah, entertainer. Okay, so Bob, you got to put together a concert. You can have three acts. Who do you who do you put on stage? Uh, well, I'd have well, to live or not. I, I'd probably the first one I'd pick, and probably the last one I would want to perform, just to end on a on the highest of notes, would be Led Zeppelin uh, in their prime. You did say alive or not? Yeah, I, yeah. I would yeah. love to see you know Led Zeppelin from you know seventy two or seventy four or sixty nine or whatever. Uh, classic Led Zeppelin with with all their with all their uh, yeah their catalog of music would be great uh, you know concert with whatever twenty twenty five songs whatever they did. Um, I would say the Foo Fighters, which I like a lot of their a fair amount of their music. I just know that Dave Grohl, who I've has been around forever, um, just a great performer, and you know hearing about how he broke his leg during a concert and he got up and he kept playing, sitting down, playing a guitar. <laughs> that had to have been uh, quite an experience. Um, so I would say the Foo Fighters would be um, the second act, um, Led Zeppelin being the third act. And the first one that I would like to see, um, yeah, there's a few. I'm thinking between, I'm probably thinking uh, Michael Jackson, probably the mid-80s, maybe late oh, yeah. 80s, Michael Jackson. I was thinking that, or maybe a little Billy Squire, who um, <laughs> I loved some of his stuff back in the in the day, and I still listen to it a little bit. There's Don't Say No album from 90 or 81. Um, maybe I'd have Billy Squire open up for these three. Um, but yeah, I would say um, Led Zeppelin would be the third one on stage. The Foo Fighters would be the second, and the opening act after Billy Squire, the to warm up the other two would be, uh, gosh, who did I just say? The brain is going. Oh, the uh, um, oh, Michael Jackson. Yes. Hello, My, uh, Michael Jackson the, would be uh, just the, because uh, of the we, you know knowing a lot of the music and uh, having a lot of respect for his um, musical ability. And that's not when just you were running marathons. Go ahead. No, no, no. When you were running marathons, did you wear headphones? Were you listening to music? Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I ran one marathon in 2003. Uh, a lot of, I, I do a lot of podcasts, even though I, I work out and do a little jogging now. It's kind of a lot of podcasts, uh, unless I'm working out to listen to classic stuff. But yeah, music, I love having an AirPod, an AirPod or an earbud in my ear and cranking some music that kind of gets me going. Uh, if it's a, an experience like running or working out that I want to have like a little bit of a pick me up. Um, 
so yeah, I would, I love having uh, an earbud in my ear and listening to music for sure. And I would say this is, you didn't ask the specific question or anything in the realm, but I've, I've thought about it before and I've actually gone on record uh, to some people that know music. I've said, if I could have anyone's voice or a combination, I've said Steve Perry uh, from Journey, um, Getty Lee from Rush. I've, I've oh, never, yeah. I was never a huge Rush fan, but I just, I've watched a couple of documentaries and have a new appreciation in the last ten, probably five years for Rush and their history and all that. Um, and then Sam Cooke which is obviously a little bit of a break from those two, but just hearing some of the voices and the smoothness and the, um, I'm not sure if it's range or if it's just how they sing or whatever, but uh, yeah, Steve Perry, Getty Lee and Sam Cooke would be three voices and maybe Karen Carpenter, if I was a little oh, higher uh, notes, <laughs> um, would be, would be on yes. the, on, up there. Yeah. The, the great, that'd be a great, that'd be a great quartet. It would be, you know, yeah. wouldn't it be something? Let's make it a quintet. Let's be, let's get me out there. Maybe Davide can drown out my voice, but I can at least have the experience of uh, belting out and har trying to harmonize with that classic group or those classic. Uh, Davide, Davide could mix it, make it sound good, Bob. I think you're onto something. We might little have auto tune. A, you're either onto something. Yeah. Whatever it needs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, this is the fun part of this. The, the, we could sit and talk music for a long time. Anything we've left out, you guys, that you think needs to be brought up? Now, it's been a joy. It's been uh, great, you know, friendship with Bob over the years and uh, just respect him as a great athlete and better person. And, of course, respect you two as well. <laughs> right. And, and like you led, Dave, you led the podcast off with uh, pretty much everyone remembers their first concert, which is a great when uh, Brad mentioned uh, your podcast, I hadn't uh, been familiar with it. But yeah, everyone is familiar with if they've been to a concert, and a lot of people have, with that experience and what it meant. And did they take a limo? Or maybe what they wore? Um, being close to the band. If you're up in the rafters or whatnot, that's that's one thing. Sometimes with the right act and the right person, that's what it takes. But you said, like you uh, kind of alluded to and literally mentioned, um, if you've experienced some of the really close stuff where you're up within, you know, tossing a, 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 a wiffle ball to the band or to the stage, it's, it makes it so much more personal, uh, a better experience, at least to me. And I think most people that enjoy music, I just, I love music. I don't play an instrument. Um, I enjoy, enjoy singing. I'm not a singer, but yeah, it's just, uh, you know, we all have songs that kind of got us through um, maybe a time in our life, an episode, or that we can kind of relate back to when you hear a song. I've got a certain song that uh, "Live Like You Were Dying." The day I found out my dad has passed, had passed away. The song had been out, and then I just had a I really tuned into the lyrics, and it's like, oh my gosh! Um, it just kind of whenever I hear that song, it gives me chills. He passed away December 2010. My dad did, and uh, but I always kind of relate hearing that song to the drive I made from Minneapolis up to Turtle Lake, Wisconsin, which is where he passed away at home because they were living up there. He and my mom. And uh, yeah, just things like that. Just a little, a little experience like that, which turns out to be quite significant. And a lot of times, we can relate that to um, a song. And uh, I certainly have my share of experiences with that, just like most people. Yeah, it, it's a big difference maker. Music, and the, you know, you mentioned the intimate theaters too, Bob. And I think about uh, seeing a show in a theater like that. And you mentioned the Minnesota Zoo, and they brought in so many acts. I remember. Uh, uh, Boz Skaggs, notably, who went to Boz Skaggs concert, and I knew his music, didn't know much, I'd never seen him at show, but at the zoo, the guy was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Personable, 
The sound is great, and it, it's like you're in somebody's backyard on a summer night. Exactly. And uh, yeah, those kind of venues. And we were at the Fitzgerald recently. Saw Chris Isaac, and in in that in that atmosphere, I mean, his show was. I talked to a couple of people that were there that had never didn't know him, but they'd gotten tickets from. They knew somebody in the band, and they they went they went nuts over this. It's just great. I said, well, that setting, and the mood you're in, yeah, that makes a big difference. So. Anyway, gosh, great having you guys here. It's always great seeing you, and I appreciate you taking the time to join us. I think we could go on for at least another show to say that, uh, and hopefully at some point we will. But gosh, Bob and Brad, I, I really uh, thank you for coming on in today. It's great having you on the on the podcast. Dave, I really enjoyed it. This has been a great experience. I'm glad Brad was here as kind of a wingman to, to, to <laughs> spin some yarns and tell stories of his own, and appreciate, Davide, your... Thanks for coming in, and... Uh... Yeah, it was it was fun to hear about your experiences. Uh, great having Brad and Bob here. Bob Martin, of course, Bob, long time uh, uh, Minnesota basketball player, you know, in high school here, obviously, and then on with the Minnesota Golden Gophers and the NBA as well. Brad's been with the Minnesota Vikings for many years, and uh, he uh, he was uh, kind of the player's guy, man. Every if there's an event or a charity or something, Brad was the guy getting that done and did a lot of great work in this community. Uh, behind the scenes with a number of charities so appreciate what you guys have done and brought to the table and uh, most of all thanks for coming in today and our thanks to folks at Aquarius Home Services here at the AquariusHomeServices.com studio and also our, our great friends at StarBank.net so reach out their uh, wonderful organizations Davide Razzo, the pride of Basel, Switzerland I will look forward to seeing you next week again See you next week even if it's virtually yeah, yeah, yeah. It's virtual, kind of weird. I'm usually I'm not going on the virtual part, but today I am. So it, it's snowing uh, here now, and I'm sure it's not snowing where you are. No, yeah. When they when they brought up uh, the shark, accidentally the fisherman did. Uh, that wasn't Minnesota. So that happened day. I was walking <laughs> the beach and guys pulling up a shark, and I had to stop and visit with him, and he wasn't intending to catch it, but yeah, that's, so that's the kind of weather we're in, but nobody wow. wants to hear about warm weather, yeah, so hey, Come thank on. you guys. Mute that mic. Yeah, I'll be, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll be back soon, so see you guys, thanks so much. Thank you, Dave. Uh, thanks, we're Dave. back next week, and anywhere, Spotify, Apple, uh, download these, just subscribe, it's that simple, and you can hear a whole bunch of them, there's a lot of great ones out that we've had in the past. And again, another one today, and we will see you next week. And go to talknorth.com, too, and there's a lot of great podcasts there. So I'll see you next week on my first talk show.